Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a fun time of the year it is. Did I mention there was a pandemic? How can I say it's a fun time of the year? Well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the pandemic, and I'm just going to give you a few sentences, and here's what I think. We need to get on board, little doggy, get on board. I don't know even what that means to myself, except I've been hearing a lot inside of me and from others, when will we get back to normal? And for most of my adult life, and I have been engaged with ministry most of my adult life, I have said to thousands of women, what is normal? What is normal? When you use the word normal, is your child normal? Is your marriage normal? Are you normal? What is expected? The answer is really, everyone, if given an opportunity to explore that for a minute, says, there isn't a normal. Is there an average? Is there a range? I know we, we put children into schools in a higher range or lower range. They need more help or less help. But I think we need to pull up our bootstraps and grab our skirts and tie our aprons, put on our thinking caps, and move forward with what we can do today and next week. I've talked to so many people who've said the hardest part of the pandemic is they make a plan and then it has to be changed. And all of these things have been rumbling inside of me, and I've thought... Maybe we're not supposed to make any more plans, Lord. We're just going to tomorrow. We're going to do what tomorrow is. And today is yesterday's tomorrow. And it's a great day. It's a great day. I'm not marginalizing or minimizing the loss of health, the loss of life, the loss of freedoms. But I am convinced that God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. And you have been so welcoming and you have invited so many new people to listen to this podcast and I want to thank you for that. I, new friends are coming and I made a very fast list from the emails and here they are. Some of them have names, some of them don't. Missy from St. Louis, Missouri. Amy from Fort McLeod. And that is in Alberta, Canada, where Roxanne is, and Cheryl from Melvin, Michigan, and Jennifer from Chemos, Michigan, and Christine from Blue Ridge, Georgia, and Ashley from Kirsten Lauten, Germany. I know I botched that. I'm sorry, Ashley. Baltimore, Maryland, and Glenville, New York, and Morgan from Nashville, Indiana, and Kayla from Stillwater, Minnesota, and Josette from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Bethany from Culpeper, Virginia, and Rebecca from Grand Forks, North Dakota, and I, I have more. Next time we're together, I'll tell you where they're from. But thank you. Thank you for inviting your friends. Thank you for emailing us and letting us know. I hope some of you are subscribing. Remember, we only send out something every few months. And today I'm going to tell you that we're going to give you an assignment. You know, I'm the professor and seminary is in, school has begun, and I'm going to give you an assignment about the Bible, and you're going to be able to find it on the website. But we might start sending some of these assignments or handouts through our subscription because we can do it and it isn't expensive for us to do. 
We just don't want to clog up your emails with a modern homemaker's email every day or every week. So if you have an opinion about it, write us and let us know what you're thinking. I've told you that my friends are coming and my friends are coming and you're going to love them. But it's taken a little more coordination to get everybody in line and to start this series. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a couple of things. The first is this week, I'm going to follow up on my pink dress. That was very emotive for me, for those of you who were listening to it. And I realized that it was an emotive time. And as I did that, I was thinking about other places in my life that for those of you who are new, you don't even know about this part of my life. And so I'm going to do a few more things this week. One of them is um, who helped me? And we're going to do that today. Who in my life has helped me and how did they help me? And then I'm going to talk a little bit about a very terrible um, habit I had for many years of my life and didn't even realize I had it. And that was being a people pleaser. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how that people-pleasing fell out in my life personally. And then I'm going to give us a reminder of someone who 30 years ago talked and warned against an amusement dependency. That was his phrase, not mine. And as I was reading it, I thought to myself, well, predictions predictions come to pass. And I know that I don't have to tell you we have an amusement dependency, but I do have some thoughts to help us in that area. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. And today I'm going to talk about some people who helped me. So this is something I wrote. I'm editing it partly and adding to it. As I turned the corner of the church basement, there it was. I was so surprised and elated to see it standing there. I was drawn to it, And to my surprise, I found myself kneeling and weeping once again at the wooden railing that surrounded the wee platform where I first heard the gospel message, where I first bent my knee and made the God of the universe the Lord of my life. That is a very long time ago. I was 16, about to be 17 years old. The words ugly duckling best describe who I was when my mom found one of the few churches in the yellow pages. Do you know what the yellow pages are, girls? That's a very thick five or six inch telephone directory of public places, stores, companies, and churches. And it was at least that thick. The yellow pages of the Chicago telephone directory that had a bus ministry, and the year was 1955. Perhaps the ugly duckling name that I had was really an accurate one. I'm Italian and Persian. At that time, I was five foot six inches tall and weighed 89 pounds. I was in the eighth grade, curly hair, very Persian curly Italian hair. My eyebrows grew straight across my forehead, and I had hair growing on every square inch of my body. My mother had decided to keep me from growing up as fast as she had grown up. She was not going to let me shave my legs, and so I had long curly hair under my nylon stockies attached to my Buster Brown Oxford shoes. Do you know what Buster Brown shoes are? If you were ever a brownie or you ever saw a little brownie girl, they're just brown tie-up shoes very ugly. And then I had a nose that made Pinocchio take notice about losing his claim to fame. So I was the ugly duckling. 
My parents were married early and divorced when I was 12, making church attendance as a family unit almost non-existent. I can truly never remember going to church as a family, the four of us. My younger brother and I boarded the big yellow Sunday school bus. And that big yellow Sunday school bus was the only yellow bus I'd ever been on in my whole life because in Chicago, the public transportation is amazing. Many people do not own cars, and certainly my mother, who didn't even know how to drive in those days, didn't own a car. So we took public transportation, subways and elevated buses all the time. But I had never been on a big yellow Sunday bus, school bus, which became the Sunday school bus. Winter, summer, spring, and fall, I would stand on the corner near our house waiting for the Sunday school bus. It came every Sunday, no matter what the temperature was. It wasn't until I started riding that bus that I knew I was an ugly duckling. Now, I know that's kind of hard for you to figure out, but within my parameters, I was who I was, and no one had ever called me ugly duckling, and no one had ever made fun of me. And I was about in the eighth grade, seventh grade, and the bus driver was very kind, but they were gnarly teenage boys in the back of the bus who told me I was ugly. And they made gnarly jokes and gnarly remarks about skinny mini with a meatball eyes and all one stripe in my pajamas. And I'm sure I was really funny looking. But that was just the gnarly boys on the bus. When I got to church, a church, imagine a church that was that visionary. A bus ministry in 1955 was way ahead of its time. And they were very Scandinavian, a very, very, very Scandinavian church, which made my dark jet eyes and my black hair and my Italian nose stand out just a little more. I was certainly more noticeable and very different from the rest. But they were earnest. And they were unrelenting. They called. They picked us up, first my brother and myself. Actually, first my mother and brother and myself, and then my brother and me, and then my brother stopped. But they never stopped coming to pick me up. For the annual church picnic and the annual church program, I was always given a piece of recitation to memorize and stand up on the platform. I think about it now, and it just makes me weep. <laughs> Christmas and Easter... I, this non-family person in this very family church, was standing up making a recitation. Who knew that one day I would stand on the platform and make recitations all around the world? There was an inner circle, like there are in most churches, leaders and families, moms and dads and their children, who came together and worshipped together, not just for Sunday school, but for Sunday worship and Sunday evening and Wednesday prayer meeting, and many of them were aunts and uncles who came, and their grandchildren and nieces and nephews came also. It was a very family Scandinavian church. I didn't belong, but these leaders that served one another in the community never stopped including me. I don't think that I was probably 50 years old before I understood the impact of that. Nobody ever said, do you want to become a Christian? No one. No one to my recall. They taught me Bible stories. My Sunday school teachers rotted out my teeth by giving me candy for, for pieces of scripture that I can recall and recite today. 
I got a Hershey bar. And Mrs. Robinson patted me on the head. No one ever said, you poor little strange little odd little dark little ugly duckling girl, do you want to know Jesus? No one ever did that. They just kept loving me. And they showed me about church. They did street witnessing on the busy corners of Chicago, like the Salvation Army. And they made regular trips to one of the many missions on the skid rows of the big city of Chicago, where hurting men live from day to day and meal to meal. I was not a part of the inner circle. My parents did not support the church with their presence, their emotions, their finance, or their interest. Yet in God's perfect timing, with people who persevered, with people who followed his will for me, his will for me. And it was completed in my young life during an evening of my first surrender, my first surrender. And that was at the little railing in the altar where I knelt and wept decades later. I do not know the young man's name. I wouldn't recognize his face if he walked in this room. Of course, he'd be much older. He's probably gone already. But I know that I'll meet him in heaven, and I know what the leader said. As an adult, as a church worker, I know what it takes to encourage someone. It's not the size of your group. It's not what the child looks like or where the child grew up. It's about the tears of joy, the tears of prayer, the tears of time that they invested in this one girl, this ugly duckling girl from Chicago. And that moment in time when I made that first surrender. And I can tell you to this day exactly what he said. As you might imagine, by that time I was the product of a divorced home. My parents were, as I said before, not married. When I was born, there was a lot of chaos. I lived the first years of my life with um, two elderly spinster women in the state of California. My grandparents were there. A great aunt and uncle were there helping my mom try to figure out what to do, 15 years old. So can you imagine? Uh, I didn't fit into that crowd at all. But that night, this young man said these words. He said, if you would like to find calm in your life. Now, I don't think I could have told you that night that I had chaos in my life. But when offered calm, I knew it was something I wanted. And he said, you could make the God of the universe the Lord of your life. And I said, yes. It's my, what I call my big yes. I often talk about that around here. There's the big yes, you know, the first one. Yes, I'll marry you. Yes, I'll love God the rest of my life. Yes, I'll have a baby. Yes, I'll sign up for PTA. Oh, what was I thinking? We all say the first yes, but then there are hundreds and thousands of yeses to follow in marriage and parenting and life and in this walk of faith. And since I'm reminiscing a little bit with my pink dress story, I thought I'd reminisce a little bit more by telling you that these very people helped me, helped me start this walk of faith. I hope you're helping someone. I hope you're investing someone with your love and care and kindness. They never said you should become a Christian. They never, ever, ever made me feel like I didn't belong, and I certainly didn't belong. Are you doing that with someone, some someones? Is it your neighbor? Is it one of your children's friends at school? I hope you are a person who's helping someone make a choice for Jesus because they feel loved by you.
We are Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto. And remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make a very uncommon day by loving someone into the kingdom.